Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The European Le Mans Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited Network of channels, both in sound and vision. We'll continue our coverage in 2021 of the European Le Mans series, the regional series from the ACO and LMEM, Le Mans Endurance Management. Uh, Many teams that we will talk about in this preview uh, over the next, well, however long it takes, quite frankly, uh, will also be featuring at Le Mans. And we might even see a few WEC teams jumping in to ELMS races over the season as well, not beyond the bounds of possibility for some of the LMP2 teams to get a bit of extra uh, track time uh, before they have to think about their season and particularly going to Le Mans. You'll be pleased to know that uh, joining me, John Heindhoff, is the voice, as far as RSL is concerned, of the WEC and, more importantly for this show, the ELMS. It is Johnny Palmer. Hello, Johnny. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, thoroughly excited to get going again with a more standard European Le Mans series campaign. We had that one, will it happen, won't it happen last year? But uh, looking at the calendar in front of me, you know, this is the more traditional once a month race and four hours. Uh, and, uh, you know, really friendly, I think, from the perspective of a professional driver or from the businessman who wants to, or businesswoman that wants to go racing at the weekends. Uh, in a separate show, um, we will talk about Michelin Le Mans Cup, uh, which runs alongside the uh, the ELMS. But uh, you, the point you make there is, is well made, JP, in that it, it's, it's often quite a, a tight weekend with a maximum of of three days, which allows the non-pro driver at ELMS, effectively regional championship level, to to get involved and to, and the regulations state that the the non-pro drivers have to be involved quite a lot, actually. They do, and I think that's what's a lot of the, in a lot of cases, uh, so attractive for people wanting to get involved in prototype racing uh endurance racing and and it is a quite an active market now there's many many choices for for drivers to pick from and it needs to be user friendly from mm. the point of view of uh, a, tra- a travel day and then ideally a test day followed by qualifying on the saturday as is the case for the elms and then generally the race on the sunday it's even uh, a shorter weekend than that when we go to michelin le mans cup but um yeah the the timetabling of those practice sessions uh, has been done deliberately so if i'm looking uh, ahead for instance for the opening weekend at barcelona first free practice session for elms not actually till one o'clock on the friday so that even enables a bit of travel time uh, friday morning should it be required as well and and this has all been done in deep in conversation with with the competitors and the organizers to make sure that uh, both are happy Uh, in any season a 42-car grid for this championship would be pretty fine. In the After the year that we've had in terms of 
the unusual circumstances around the world with the pandemic. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It is quite phenomenal, to be honest. Uh, And the level of interest that has been maintained through that period of, uh, you know, the unknown for the first six months of 2020. But what it has done is kept the interest from 2019 Mm. and then, if anything, built on it in 2020. And I think, you know, a lot of people said, well, that probably would be the case because there were always the deals in place before anybody had heard of coronavirus. So, you know, 2020, the the deals, the money had already been spent, if you like. So you were going to get a a half-decent season 2020. Was then there going to be a lull, though, going into 2021 and 42 cars suggests not at this stage um some things have changed some things have remained the same broadly with a a slight exception uh, which we will talk about the class structure is the same one gt class which is lmgte so the gte category um bereft of of interest in IMSA, continues in the ACO categories in Europe and the WEC. Uh, Nine entries there, 16 in LMP3, um, which has firmly found its place in the European Le Mans series as the second prototype category and is is matched by the LMP2 field. The additional category this year is for the innovative car, so for innovation. This is the SRT41 Association car, um, which is alternative fuel, effectively. This is um, alternative fuel and alternative drivers. This is the hydrogen car. Uh, yes, it is. Um, um, well, no, hang on a moment. Uh, no, this is an adapted ah. Orica. Yes, it's correct. Orica 07 Gibson. Yes, the, the work on the hydrogen car um, H24, they call that, don't they? That continues at pace. And, um, you know, there's going to be further steps in season 2021. Won't be surprised if it's at Le Mans for the 24-hour weekend. Again, I think it's timetable to, show, to, to do at least one lap, actually. Um, so, yeah, exciting times. But the, the 24 within that is is year 2024, which is the aim to try and get that into a race. I, I understand competitively. The Frederick Sose project is actually a continuation from last year. And they wanted to run this car last year, but complications around the pandemic prevented them from doing that. So it's effectively the same campaign just a year later. And the plan is to run in two ELMS races right. and then be a garage 56 entry in the 24 hours of Le Mans. So it's Frederick Sose who has competed mm. in that race, remember, but he's not down as one of the drivers in this case. Uh, Takuma Aoki, the Japanese, Nigel Bailey has been with um, been with Fred, I think, since about 2018. And, you know, there's been a partnership there. And Pierre Sanchinena, uh, Frenchman, who will make up the third driver in that number 84 car. So, yes, expect that for the first two rounds, Barcelona and Red Bull Ring, and then at the 24-hour race itself. So that's that's a P2 car, and it's been putting in some competitive P2 times in the tests uh, as well um, over the two days uh, early in what is effectively race week at Barcelona. It's an LMP2 adapted car, as you see, and anyone who knows Fred Saucet knows that he champions um, the inclusivity of of endurance racing it's a fabulous uh, it's a fabulous uh, project that is going on the other 16 cars um are all orica gibsons they all run on goodyear tires um however 
there is a change in the LMP2 category because we have the the initiative this year from the ACO and the ELMS of a pro-am category, which will have its own um, what winner will have its own champion, or is it a subclass? I, I haven't kind of really worked that one out, JP. Uh, well, yeah, as far as I know, there is a separate Pro-Am Championship because it is all to do with driver makeup. So these right. cars aren't different from the, the cars in the standard professional class. But I mean, it's still semi-pro because standard LMP2, you require at least one silver driver in your trio. This has enabled, if you're a bronze driver, you to compete in LMP2, which has always been a little bit of a grey area. We've had cars in the past that have had bronzes in there and they've said, we want to have the chance to win races. And with a bronze, it's very tricky to do that. So can you provide us with a, a, a rung down, if you like, or an alternative rung of the ladder where we can compete with fellow bronze racers? So that's the idea of this. Uh, the drive time, I understand, isn't going to change. Right. So it stays the same if you had a silver in there, but it's the, the, the uh, Pro-Am class that it is known now. So I need to get this confirmed once we get on site in Barcelona. But I'm going to I'm going to take that, that there is a separate points um, awarding, i.e. 25 points. If you win in Pro-Am, Got you it. may well be entered into the main championship as well. So you're yes. actually winning winning points on both scales there. I think it's an interesting one. It's something that's been mooted for a wee while. I know IMSA have been looking looking at it. Uh, they've come up with something relatively similar for GT3, of course, with the GT. Although they've gone the other way. They've added GT3, GT Daytona Pro to, to that. Ultimately, it's split pretty much down the middle between Pro-Am and full Pro. It, it does mean that you can have... Uh, the pros means you can have a, a platinum driver, which you can't have in the uh, pro-am uh, category. And it just, as Johnny says, it changes the makeup of the drivers. The other thing that's going to change about LMP2 in ELMS, which mirrors what's going to happen in the WEC, although perhaps not for quite as obvious reasons, is after Barcelona, it's my understanding, JP, that all of, as it is, at the moment, the Orica Gibsons um, will have to run the low downforce, let's call it Le Mans bodywork, uh, and and will be subject to the performance balancing that P2s will be in WEC. And the reason I say that it's not as straightforward is because clearly in WEC, we've got hypercar, or at least we've got two hypercars in the shape of Toyota we've got a recycled rebellion and we're not going to have Glickenhaus at least for the first round their program getting pushed further and further back and there's a clever technical reason for them not wanting to homologate their cars but I understand it sort of in WEC whether I agree with that or not it's, it's not for now but why are we having to do that in in ELMS when there isn't a class that that needs the p2s to be slowed down you wonder whether it's um to the, to the casual observer hang on a minute why are these exactly the same cars going so much faster in this particular championship and uh, ah. almost at lmh pace um but we're not seeing that in the in the other championship i mean lmh has got to be the big thing this year from the aco's perspective and the last thing they want is for their b category 
to be getting pretty close to them on on lap time. So, good point. And and also, I I, I assume from a costs point of view, certainly from a work hours point of view, to be chopping and changing your car, because a lot of the teams are entering the same LMP2 cars in both championships. So you're going to have to be switching it from, you know, the ELMS setting back to uh, WEC setting fairly regularly. Almost on a week by week basis for some of those teams. uh, Yeah, because WEC for 2021 is becoming increasingly a European championship for reasons we know, you know, travel difficult right now. So um, WEC deliberately does not clash with ELMS. It doesn't clash either with the 24 hours of Le Mans in terms of uh, the ELMS taking a month off effectively around that new date for the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, And it's just easy for the fans to understand it's certainly easy for for the engineers uh, that they don't have to keep switching things around as well. Um, but, you know, only very recently, um, what was it two weeks ago, there were further adjustments to slowing these cars down. They you know, had further 20 kilos added so that they're now running at 950 kilograms and another 27 uh, horsepower taken off them. So they're down to 533 uh, now and that's a, a very recent adjustment i'd like to say that it's going to be the last adjustment we have this year but uh, i'm pretty suspicious about that right now i i i actually hadn't thought about some of the things you've mentioned there and i and i think that's a fair point well made uh, particularly for teams who are bouncing backwards and forwards and ultimately of course quite a lot of um quite a lot of the elms teams will be heading to le mans in august as well and therefore getting a getting a handle i suppose on on what's going on with their cars is is probably not such a a bad thing well, uh, well yeah when you're trying to get them to go as fast as possible the last thing you want is to be moving the goalposts by adding yeah, and taking agreed. away weight and, and adding horsepower so yes it's it, it is probably better in the long run to to stick as we are for both championships uh, two days of testing at uh, circuit de catalunya um let's Talk about LMP2. We might as well start with the the fastest uh, uh, the fastest class. Um, ten hours on uh, the Monday. I think it was eight hours uh, on the Tuesday. Uh, fastest overall team WRT. Louis Delatraz uh, in the evening session when it was a bit uh, more pleasant, a bit cooler. Uh, his teammate Robert Kubica uh, set the second best time. There were pff, nothing. Uh, between them, really, what about um, six, seven tenths uh, of a, a lap? And, and Team WRT, uh, we should mention, with um, Yifi Yi, by the way, um, uh, as the, the third driver there, the, the silver driver, and they do have the full gold, silver, and platinum. Um, coming into LMP2, we presume JP, with their Audi. Uh, partnership head-on to get some idea about running prototype cars before LMDH in in 2023. And my goodness, Vincent Voss's team has hit the ground running. They have, and uh, you know, you look at the driver lineup, and I have to say, I'm not too surprised about uh, how well they've gone uh, in the uh, in the pre-event test. Um, Delatraz did Le Mans last year in the second rebellion. So, you know, he's, I mean, a, a real hot shoe from single seaters, but he seems to have adapted to the, to the two seater, uh, heavily dependent aerodynamic cars. Uh, so, so quickly Kubica, you know, he just seems to drive anything fast, frankly. So there's no problem there. Uh, and Yifei, uh, you know, may take a bit, a, a bit of coaching, but from your point about the, 
the long term, very much long term strategy for WRT, it seems like a, a no brainer almost to take make use of this championship. It's it is yes European, but it's staying reasonably localized in the west of Europe. So you plan ahead, the travel should be pretty good, and I think all of this will pay dividends when you look to next season and subsequent seasons as well. With uh, as you say, the future for Audi. The, the fastest lap in the afternoon was set by Pietro Fittipaldi uh, in LMP2 on the, on the first day of testing. Full season for Pietro in ELMS uh, this year. And uh, obviously he's with G-Drive uh, in the car with John Falb, the um, US bronze driver. And that goes back to what we were talking about that's a pro-am car with Rui Andrade, the Portuguese silver, and Petro, uh, Pietro uh, Fittipaldi, the Brazilian, listed as a gold. And you've got to say that looks not just in pro-am, but in the P2 category. That looks a well-balanced team there with a team, um, a well-balanced driver lineup with a team that know what they're doing. Certainly, um, because underneath the skin. Now we've had through the years. <laughs> A number of teams labelled G-Drive, of course. And I was hastily checking the entry list there to make sure we hadn't actually got two G-Drive cars from two different outfits. Uh, we have had that in the past, yes. but not for 2021. Uh, they're both the Auris 01, which is an Orica 07, but mm-hmm. uh, with plenty of backing and badge engineering from the Russian limousine company. And, um, yeah, uh, John Falb, uh, really, really nice chap, first of all, and yes. has... Um, made it clear to us in the early stages that he was he was just soaking everything in like you know just a, like a sponge, uh, learning the lessons of of LMP3 racing uh, which he did initially and now into P2s and constantly on the P2 uh, entry list and um, I, I'm excited to see what he can do this year actually with the so much experience now uh, in his wake Pietro Fittipaldi comes from awesome stock uh 24 years old now brazilian although actually born in miami and uh, a champion at single seater level uh, three three timer champion I, I reckon when you go back as far as his 2014 formula renault championship in the uk um and i, I wouldn't even say that it's his name getting in places it's blatantly his pace yes. you know and and uh having been in Formula One as well, that, uh, it, it, that was, you, you might say, the real peak of his career. But I think he's got a big one to come yet in ACO rules racing and, and uh, prototype racing, definitely. And the other side of that garage is the full pro-pro uh, squad, if you will. Although it is silver, gold and platinum with Franco Colapinto, the unofficial rookie champion in the Asian Le Mans series, the Argentinian ace, and he is going to be an absolute star. Roman Rusinov is a gold. We know how good Roman can be as a effectively non-pro driver. And Nick De Vries in there as well, in the, the sister car to that 25 car we were talking about, the number 26. Now, it, it's listed, of, of course, as, as Russia, but I'm not sure they're allowed to do that. Um, in international competition. So they should be just running under the um, Russian Automotive Federation uh, colours. But uh, I'll, we'll gloss over that for the moment. <laughs> but, but that's another good line-up there. And particularly with... I mean, great, great signing for, for Colapinto. 
He's only 17. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We, we already know that he could be one of the fastest drivers in the field. So uh, it is it is crazy. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can produce, having uh, uh, done, I think, all three, all four races, rather, in the Asian Le Mans series mm. at the start of the year um, with uh, some podiums that weekend as well. But a champion of F4 in Spain, too. Um one of those Argentinians who's focusing at the moment on European racing, which is kind of always as it was, you know, yes. go back 30 or 40 years. You had to do it often in the UK, but then certainly on into Europe as well, um, although has done some racing in the States as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how he slots in there um, in a big team with some big characters as well. Uh, but um, I understand he's. You know he can he can kind of live with the best of them there, so uh, it'll be entertaining, and he'll learn a lot in this first year, no doubt. Well, Nick DeFries, just a word on him. I mean, came really close to you know winning virtually every race last year, but they had various problems at G Drive. But he is so impressive. And raced it with Racing Team Nederland as well in the, the WEC um, with Guido van der Garde. So I mean, you're always expecting the timing screen to light up once Nick gets on board. Uh, Edex Sport are another team that have a pro-am car as well as a non-pro-am car. I'm not going to call it a pro-pro car because that's that's not fair. There's, there's still a, an element of, of non-pro driver there. 17 is the pro-am car. That's Dwight Merriman, uh, Kyle Tilley and Ryan DL. Although that's um, an Anglo-American driver entry effectively that is an IMSA entry Kyle and, and Dwight have, have driven before in, in IMSA Ryan DL were know from IMSA uh, as well for the French team and their second car is Paul Lafargue Paul-Luc Chatan and Patrick Pelé that's very much uh, French uh, on there EDEC have, have really I think EDEC have really sort of come of age in the, the last couple of seasons or so in terms of how they've been running their cars and, and they've had some decent results, Johnny. Very much so. I mean, they are, we shouldn't forget, champions of the ELMS. I think yeah. surprise champions. Yeah. Um, 2019, I want to say, but I am also looking that up to make sure that the, <laughs> the memory banks are somewhat going. Do you know, this is actually the 18th season of ELMS. No. Um, because it be it was the Le Mans series in 2004. That was yes. the first ever year. Um, but it's a special year for it being named the European Le Mans series because the first time that happened was in 2012, a season that nobody expected to finish, actually, because yeah. it was only three races, I think, ultimately run. But that means a start in 2012, we're into the 10th anniversary in 2021 of the mm. European Le Mans series, the new newly named car, a newly named, named uh, championship, I should say. That bought me a bit of time to say it was 2019 that nice. Edex Sport uh, took the, the victory with Paul Lafargue and Memo Rojas was part of that lineup as well. And uh, Paul Luke Chatter, I want to say, too. Yes. Pa- Paul Luke, of course, drivers. has been a bit mm. of a poster child. We've talked about this. He's come up through all of the, the categories um, back to. Um, what became the prototype challenge cars, um, which were effectively the Le Mans series cars. And and he's learned his craft. He's a gold-rated driver now. Paul Lafargue is mm. a silver. Patrick Peely, obviously, is the platinum driver. Peely getting um, some more experience in a, a prototype. One might, again, project that forward with Patrick's Porsche uh, partnership head on, uh, on that one. That, that looks... A, I mean... That car, I mean, both of those cars look look 
particularly good in their respective uh, subclasses in LMP2. They had, if you remember, many tales to tell both cars at Le Mans last September as well. They probably won't appreciate me reminding them of this, but a horrendous week leading into the race with both cars heavily crashed and needing to be uh, needing to be fixed. But it meant that Dwight Merriman couldn't race in the big show at yeah. the weekend. Kyle did, Kyle Tilly. Um, and I'm just really pleased for Dwight that he's going to get his teeth into lots of uh, P2 racing in Europe now, and uh, I'm sure you know that, that they're working on another visit to uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans to be able to tick that one off. Ryan DL, very interesting. I don't think he's raced at many European tracks at all. No, because he he had a UK career. He then got, I think, a, a Toyota, Toyota Atlantic deal in the States, and then he never looked back across the Atlantic. He's raced, I think, at the Spa 24 Hours, mm-hmm. but you know uh, Barcelona possibly first ever weekend yeah. um red bull ring likewise uh, monza so the, oh, these classic european tracks finally ryan can tick them off and he's going to be quick oh he, he's quick in everything he drives he's got a good attitude as well he fit right in with kyle and dwight let's let's keep the usa uh, sort of connection going there with the number 21 dragon speed car this is um dragon speed's usa um which is elton julian's outfit Henrik Edman from Sweden, uh, but it's not Ben Haley at all, is it? <laughs> from the Jeep. Who? Who's this gold driver? Ben Haley and Ricky Taylor from uh, the Platinum Driver from the USA. Well, Ricky, we know. Henrik Edman. Um, a slight typo on the entry list. There. Yeah. Yeah. Change the Y to an N, and you've got Ben Hanley. Ah. Who, uh, hopefully, most people are going, oh, Ben Hanley. I have heard of him. I thought. Blimey, the um, the period over the winter has really taken my finger off the pulse. I've never heard of this guy who's a gold, but it is a, a, a very simple typo. Um, and Ben and Henrik have raced together regularly with Dragon Speed, so there's no dramas there. You know, they, they'll be straight back in as if uh, the season hadn't stopped. And then they'll go, this Ricky kid's quite good, isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they know all about him. Henrik, you know, knows who he's trying to sign here, and it's entered as a pro-am car because Henrik is a bronze. So, you know, you've got Ben and Ricky alongside. That could be so strong. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing to say that they they couldn't win, you know, more than half the races, if not all of them with that lineup. But Henrik needs to be on his game because he is susceptible to the odd error here and there. Uh, Not not big errors, just, you know, half spin here and it just costs you a bit of time because that's where the differential comes. You know, the gold and the platinums, you can't split them. They're all in the top. Yeah. one and two percent of times but you can have big losses and big gains when the non-pro gets in uh, and what's what's the driver time for the the bronze driver in pro arm is that i mean it's more than one stint isn't it yes it will be definitely yeah in and the four it, hour it is race. weighted it is weighted generally towards yes um the the silver or in the pro-am uh class for 2021 the bronze right um it has tended to be that the maximum drive time for platinum and golds uh, be 90 minutes in some seasons, a hundred minutes. Right. And then whatever else is left over goes the way of the silver or the bronze. So you're looking mm. at certainly two stints yeah. and possibly I mean, it's awkwardly done, you know, cause it doesn't fit naturally. Deliberately into, so. Exactly. It doesn't fit into a fuel tank window, for instance. So you might have to do two in a bit, and then switch over to your, your quick guy to, to bring it home. 
Uh, we're talking about the European Le Mans series for 2021. The voice of the ELMS here on Radio Show Limited, Johnny Palmer, is with me, John Hindhoff. Uh, let's move on to the first two-car team that we've talked about that have two um, LMP2 entered, not Pro-Am cars, let's call it that. And that's the 22 and the 32, United Autosports, who swept all before them this year, uh, last year, excuse me, uh, We'll talk about them in LMP3 as well. But here, um, the 22 has the uh, slightly different lineup of Phil Hansen with Jonathan Aberdeen, the uh, European-based South African driver, and Tom Gamble from the UK. So that's two golds and a silver there. In the 32, it's Jop van Oetert from the Netherlands, Nicola Schaman, Nico Schaman, so two golds there, and Manuel Maldonado, the silver driver. Um, all right, it doesn't look the same as we're used to seeing in the lineup from from those two cars, Johnny, but you can't count out United. There needed to be some adjustment, though, because of uh, the reputation that Phil Hansen is continually building himself. You start winning titles... And you have to be moved grades. And that's exactly what's happened to Phil. So, so much success with Portuguese mastermind platinum driver, Philippe Albuquerque. Um, but because they were a platinum and a silver together, that worked nicely. And very often they were a two driver lineup, but certainly were in ELMS. The complication has now been weaved in because Hansen is a goal. Yes. So you've got to start looking for drivers that can turn race with him under the the current regulations so you're right about jonathan aberdeen and i'm interested to see how he gets on having ra- having seen him race in single seaters for a couple of years he's a gold as well and tom gamble being an lmp3 champion last year mm-hmm. with united in the elms moves up but doesn't need to be made a gold because it was lmp3 he won rather than p2 so that doesn't carry the the, the need for the adjustment so Gamble could be, I mean, he is a potential gold. Uh, and I've thought that since his, you know, Janetta Junior days. G- uh, brother George races very well indeed as well. But uh, sometimes for the two of them to go racing, that can cause problems f- problems financially, I think. But Tom's got a bit of backing now. And it's really nice to see that his talent's been unearthed on a European stage. Um, so, yeah, it, it really depends what, you know, what, how's Phil going to take to be in the goal? Because that's a different role entirely. That's a good point. Um, in a team, you know, it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how he gets on. Because again, you know, the odd era last year when he was in a good position to take the title. I remember him outbreaking himself at Monza at the first chicane, and he lost about ten places. He held his hands up straight away after the stint, said that was my fault. He can't afford to be doing that as a gold driver going into a new season. Uh, and do we know if if the all conquering? Um engineering talents of Gary Robertshaw stays with, with Phil Hansen? Or is I that something we've... To do. Right, OK. I mean, surely they have to change the team name, don't they, if uh, Gary goes elsewhere? Because he must have... With, with Zach and with Richard, Zach Brown and Richard Dean, he must have a little bit of investment there as well. You know, they almost come as a trio these days. True enough. And uh, what, about the so, other, yeah. what about the other United car? Yop, uh, Manuel Maldonado and Nico Jama. I'm a massive fan of Nico Jama, yeah. who... Um, sometimes can go uh, beneath the radar, not to, to us in the know as, as far as ELMS is concerned, but Panis Racing he's raced with previously, I think for at least the last three years with um, Julian Canal and the rest of his team. Um, but he pulled off some crazy moves, um, good ones, I mean, for overtakes last year that you didn't think were on and then 
all of a sudden he made it he made it stick and and fairly as well without any contact so uh, now he's in with a you know a car that's going to be quick anyway um that's uh, going to be one area that I'll concentrate on through the year to see uh, the progress of Nico Jama Manuel Mast- uh, Maldonado you will know the name he's the cousin of Pasta um and i think still in his early 20s so again someone that will need some adjustment time but could be very fast by the end of the year and Jot van Outert just quick anyway um and has been with he's been with Roman Rutten up in the past and race and racing team Nederland because um uh the guy at racing team Nederland had has brought him through Mr Jumbo himself with a bit of a support program um so uh, Fritz van Ed is the name I was chasing for there. Uh, but he's broken away from that team, still, I think, with some backing from Fritz, uh, but ploughing his own furrow now at United Autosports. Uh, Johnny Palmer is with me, John Hindoff, and this is the Radio Show Limited preview for the European Le Mans Series for 2021 with an astonishing 40-plus 40 uh, plus car entry uh, to the championship for the full season. Uh, ex- as I said earlier, expect to see uh, one or two wildcard entries as well, particularly I think at Monza uh, later on. The It's 41 standard entries plus the innovative car or the invitation, if you will. So 42 in total. We're running through LMP2 at the front of the field. And after uh, sort, of, uh, sort of running around the entry list a little bit, let's... Uh, Continue on down through the numbers and Algarve Pro Racing. Uh, Stuart and Sam Cox uh, back with their Portuguese flagged team, although uh, those very much expat uh, Brits uh, run a very tight ship. We've had them on, we've had Stuart on Midweek Motorsport talking about how they're going to do this year in a very different way. They're looking to be carbon neutral and, and cut back their carbon footprint. They're taking fewer people to the track, uh, fewer trucks, smaller trucks. This is all an initiative um, with Ferdinand Habsburg. He's the gold driver there. And he's uh, teamed up with Diego Menchasa from Mexico and Richard Bradley from the UK. So that's two golds and a silver there. They're in the full class. Um, it's 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 going to be a tough ask for those guys this year, but I expect to see them at the sharp end of the field because we know what a good team that Stuart and Sam put together. They they really do, and again, experience I think will count for a great deal here because you know there have been times in the past when they've only had one car, for example, and they're up against very strong teams with two cars. That it's been a struggle, and I think they they would have admitted that to you, you know, a few years ago. But um, you just keep plodding on, and you have a game plan for the next three or four seasons. Um, you mix in the right circles in terms of those drivers that. Uh, as you say, are very influential, like Ferdinand Habsburg. Richard Bradley has driven so many different types of prototypes through the years. He's a great person just to have as part of the team personnel in terms of a steer of where to go in t- uh, for setup. And then Diego Manchaca, uh, mightily impressive at, at single-season level. Has to be said, it's not been the ideal start to their season because they raced in the Asian Le Mans series and they then needed to get the car to Barcelona. Um, Put it on a put it on a boat which went via the Suez Canal. 
And we all know, I'm sure, what's been oh, happening dear. in the Suez Canal lately, yes. which is that boat that got turned at right angles and got wedged in the sand for days on end. And uh, their container was on a container ship in a very, very long queue. So I understand that their cars have actually only arrived um, you know, very recently indeed at Barcelona and practically missed all of the pre-event test. So it's not the ideal way to kick off the season, but I suppose the only way is up from this point on. Uh, we've talked about the two G drives with the two E-Deck cars, so we'll skip down to car 29, Ultimate Racing. This is another French outfit in the Pro-Am category for Mathieu Lehay, French, Jean-Baptiste Lehay, uh, French, and Francois Hérault, who is French. He's the bronze driver there with the um, Lehay brothers. I'm, I think I'm right in saying who are the two silvers, JP. That's right, and I always remember, I always forget rather which way round it is. <laughs> um, Mathieu Lehay, I believe, it's his wife who is the team manager, right? And also, I think making a, quite a lot of the crucial calls on the wall as well. So you know, you talk about family teams. This is the pure definition of a family team. We missed them entirely last year. They were regulars in LMP3. But I'm sure surrounding complications in 2020, they just decided we'll knock this on the head. We'll concentrate on 2021 and concentrate on moving up to the big class. So never seen them in LMP2 before, but they are race winners and so, so close to being championship winners in LMP3 on at least two occasions. So that's a quite that's a dark horse for me, not necessarily for wins, but certainly to be troubling the podium. Um, at every meeting, you know, so if they get their strategy right and Francois Herio is on his game, it's another pro-am entry because Herio is a bronze, mm-hmm. um, you know, more than capable of pro-am, pro-am uh, podiums there, I'd say. Uh, Racing Team Turkey, uh, it's a new name to me, JP. Uh, P. Um, uh, oh, sorry, no, let's do Dekin. Excuse me, I jumped one too far. The number 30, Dekin. Tristan Gomedy, Renny Binder, the Austrian, and Memo Rojas um, is the big name there, I suppose you could say, um, coming uh, back to European competition. He's only listed as a gold now. I guess that's on his on his age. Tristan Gomedy is the platinum, and Renny Binder is the silver. This is in the full class, of course, for another French outfit, Dekin. Memo Rojas, a now double champion in the LMS, as I mentioned, in 2019 when he won it with EDEC Sport and uh, in 17 with one of the many iterations of G-Drive Racing. Um, But what I don't know is actually, I'm thinking ELMS title winners doesn't make you a platinum, does it? You have to have raced in Formula One and any entry in Formula One automatically a platinum and then some world championships will get you a platinum status uh memo has he ever had that i don't know it's 39 years old so it's not an age thing i know you're right Uh, so um i think i think he's still you know the the platinum status is still very much elusive but there's more of his career to come yet so he can change that rene binder have has raced with by collars in the past so at lmp1 level as was and tristan gomendy just a thoroughly entertaining guy, whether behind the wheel or outside of the car chatting to you. He's mm. uh, he's a real enthusiast. Duquesne as an outfit are enthusiasts as well. Remember Duquesne are, or Gilles Duquesne, the uh, initiative that bought out Norma. Uh, hence the reason why we've got Duquesne's actually entered uh, into the LMP3 class. We'll deal with that in due course. Uh, but um, Duquesne, I think, are still looking for their first ever win in the LMS. And this year could be the one. Uh, I'll bounce down to Racing Team Turkey now. This is the 30 
uh, four car. Um, Turkish flag on this car in the prime class for Sally Yolik, the bronze rated um, Turkish driver paired again with Charlie Eastwood, who memory serves he has driven with in GTs before the Irish gold driver. And they've pulled in. Uh, Harry Tinknell, who seems to be everywhere, I'm sure that Alan McNish, who's his manager, has cloned him and is actually <laughs> selling him off several times to increase their income, which if he's managed to do that is fantastic. Tinknell, I noticed watching on Monday of Test Day, was the first car out of the pit lane uh, in the Racing Team Turkey car at, at Barcelona. Uh, so keen to get some test miles in. Um, you've, you've got to say again, though, JP, and you know, I almost need this just on rinse and repeat, this is a team that will challenge in pro-am and could well be up the overall standings. One of the big stories um, in this type of motorsport for the last five or six years is the ongoing improvement of Sally Yolich. Yeah. I've said this a number of times. In his first few campaigns in British GT, he was all over the place and you were guaranteed a fairly significant off onto the grass or worse into the wall in a two-hour race for Sally. Now, he's eliminated that seemingly entirely and that is thanks to you and Hanky. In the mm. early days when the two of them were racing together and, you know, they've obviously gone through data. They've, they've just hammered home the fact that you cannot win these races in the first few laps. It is about just being consistent and building that foundation for then the more, more important hours later on. And he has taken it on board more so than I ever expected. Still a bronze, but there's scope, I think, to improve on that. Um, bringing in Charlie Eastwood, yes, who's been racing Aston Martins very recently with TF Sport. Um, so I think this is probably Charlie's first foray into into a proper prototype. Um, but he was always very good in single seaters and then was. Porsches as well. So I don't think the, I don't think the um, the dynamics and the behavior of the car will spook him at all. And yeah, Harry is almost coming back to his roots because he, I remember several seasons in the mighty 38, the open top cars yes. with Simon Dolan and yeah. with, um, uh, yes, other names are, are, are now escaped me, but then he eventually won the title in 2016. I think that was the first year when the 38 was a closed cockpit car. Um, and then, you know, the opportunities really started to flow for Harry Tinkle. And I don't think we've seen him in the championship since. So it's great to have him back. Uh, and keep an eye out for that number 34 racing team, Turkey. BHK Motorsport, British flag team, uh, with uh, an Italian uh, driver lineup, uh, Sergio Campana and Francesco Draconi, um, gold and silver respectively. Just two names against that car on my entry list at the moment. What's the genesis of BHK Motorsport? Uh, and the, the timeline of BHK Motorsport? Actually, very Italian. Um, <laughs> I, they are UK flagged and I think always have been. But, um, it, it, yeah, you do well to speak English in there and uh, many people uh, to understand you. Although I did actually meet a, a nice chap, I think, on, a, on an airport bus uh, coming back from an event who was working for a BHK and he was going back to the UK. So possibly being a little unfair there. But they are very loyal to the championship i will say that because uh, 2017 did we have bhk no so i think 18 will have been their first year 18 19 20 this will be the fourth season that we will have had that team in the lineup they've 
generally always gone with two drivers, Jacopo Baratto and Francesco Draconi in the first time we saw them in 2018. So I don't expect that to change, actually. And it'll be Draconi joined by Sergio Campana, a silver and a gold, in for the standard LMP2 championship because mm. there's no bronze there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had title winners with only two drivers last season. but So um, four hours is not too much of a stretch just with two. You know, if they only had to ask if they wanted a bronze, um, I'm well, sure I could true. have found some time. Um, <laughs> cool Racing have their number 37 on the side of the Swiss-flagged Orica Gibson. They're in Pro-Am for Alexandra Quagny, who is a Swiss driver. Uh, Nico Lapierre still, I think, doing some of his best work in the last few years and with a smile on his face. And the second, uh, uh, Nico, obviously a, a, f- a Frenchman. And Antonin Borga, also a Swiss-flagged uh, driver for the gold part of that. Lapierre, obviously, the, the platinum, Quagny, the, the, the bronze. Uh, cool racing, um... There or thereabouts in this new Pro-Am Championship. I, I think with Lapierre involved and Borga and Quagny, Alexandra knows which way to point the car. And if he can keep his end of the bargain, they'll be there or thereabouts as well. Well, they have on the odd occasion actually troubled a top five in the standard championship in the mm. past. So I see the, no issue at all with them uh, being up there and competing for potentially race win. As long as uh, Kwani, you know, keeps his, his nose clean and he knows how to do that. He was involved in a nasty accident, uh, 2019 at Silverstone, not of yeah. his own making, which sadly put him out. That was in the ELMS race, remember, on the Saturday. He was then in, entered into the WEC race on the Sunday and couldn't take part. But um, he... Uh, for those with long memories on the 24H series, the Creventic uh, Championship, he used to race Mercedes in yeah. that for cool racing with Antonin Borger. Um, so they you know, know each other on a well-oiled machine between the two of them. And then Nicolas Lapierre, who's actually now financially involved with the team, I understand. Cool. Yeah. Um, he's so, so fast. He'll be reserved for the final few stints. But Borger, having been a silver in the past, is now a gold. So, yeah, I... See very few weak links there as a pro-am entry. A couple of French teams to finish off our run through LMP2 and this look at ELMS here on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. Johnny Palmer and me, John Hindoff. Graf, 39. Uh, Another pro-am entered car. This is Maxime and Arnaud Robin, two French drivers, uh, about which I have to say I don't know that much. Silver for Maxime, Arno is a bronze driver, and one driver I do know very well is Vincent Capillier, who is the silver driver of that all-French trio, JP. They're brothers. Uh, Maxime, just 22 years old. Um, I don't actually know whether Arnold is um, older or younger than him. I've not got a date of birth, but they're fairly early on in their um, racing careers maxime do, ha, has come from cik fia carts mm-hmm. was doing that in 17 and then kind of dovetailed the season in carts and the le mans cup three years ago so again someone you can very easily plot the progress of through the aco ranks and we had the two of them doing elms races last year they did all five races actually uh with the best result was this in p2 no it was in lmp3 Ah, with yes. a 15th place overall. Um, but that won't have been too far away in class either. So, again, somewhat, a, a team that are, are getting faster with every turn of the wheel. And you will certainly expect Vincent Capillet to help with that. Um, no gold in the entry uh, or platinum. 
not that you need it because again it's a pro-am so two silvers and a bronze mm-hmm. um just need a bit more experience for me and then the results will start to flow so maybe that's a you know a slightly longer term project and we're looking to 2022 to be on the podium for that crew uh, finalement in lmp2 um another french team 65 pan east racing for the silver julian canal uh, for the frenchman uh, will stevens is a platinum from the uk and james allen the australian gold driver who has been i think a bit of a star quite honestly his pace is very very good indeed now they're in the full championship um with a gold a silver and a platinum and again with the might of panis racing behind them you've got to look at those guys as being podium possibilities Definitely. And Julian Canal is often put in for the opening stint when it's very busy indeed, but can cope with the traffic at such close quarters. He's from Le Mans, so knows this type of racing Cheering inside racing and out. In his blood, yes. Completely, yes. I mean, from knee high to a grasshopper. So there's no problems there at all. And he can and he can be called upon should he be needed later in the race as well. Will Stevens with, well, F1 experience, clearly, but he's also won Le Mans at GT level, so he's happy to lend his hand to, to anything. Stick him in at the end for the last 90 minutes. And then James can be used at the start or he can be used in the middle, but he is a, an ELMS uh, race winner of the past with Graf. I seem to remember at the end of one season, they won back-to-back races. And you think, oh, if you'd started that a bit earlier, could you have been really troubling uh, the champion status? So James Allen is another guy who's come from single seaters you think right you just need a little bit of adaptive period and then you'll really be on it and and so it's proved johnny palmer is with me john hindoff as we look through the elms uh, runners and riders the full seasons runners and riders uh, it kicks off at barcelona of course and you'll be able to uh, see and hear that on uh, on uh, uk, and let's move to the second of the prototype classes another 16 cars to look at um, we do have some chassis variety here not much uh, just two manufacturers of uh, potentially five that could be there Ligier are by far the most numerate so let's start with the two Ducanes then the M30 DO8s all with the Nissan power plant uh, first of all DKR Engineering Luxembourg uh, flagged team as is Racing Experience who's the other Ducane runner but let's uh, take the DKR number four first Lawrence Herr uh, Alain Berg uh, that's German Luxembourg, uh, silver and bronze drivers. I've only got two drivers against that one at the moment. Uh, Dukin against the hordes of Ligier uh, and, and DKR and racing experience with uh, David and Gary Hauser and uh, Tom Clure, the, the Belgian there. What do you reckon, JP? Well, yes, they don't necessarily have numbers on their sides, but it was a similar battle in last year's Michelin Le Mans Cup and Laurence Hoare managed to win that at the wheel of a Duquesne for uh, DKR Engineering. So I wouldn't write them off, basically, because they do have a champion in their ranks and with the same car. Because remember, these new 
batch of LMP3s came into being for the start of last year. So this yeah. is effectively season season two for these cars. Hence the reason why the Ligier is called a P320. I haven't got to the bottom of why the Duquesne is known as an M30 or a D08 uh, quite yet, but it's the same Nissan engine anyway. And also, what, what I don't know yet is whether they've cured these fueling issues. Ah, yes. Very thirsty Nissan engine, uprated to a 5.6 from a 5 litre last year, and it's a Nissan-designed bo- uh, block, but race-prepared by Orica and rethinking that yes that is correct it's an orica prepared race prepared engine and what they didn't expect was it to burn through fuel quite as quickly as it did so much so they had to insert an extra pit stop for a lot of the races last year both at the lms and le mans cup level so i'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that's been solved over the winter and we can go back to slightly more familiar racing Uh, alan berg don't know much about the Luxembourgish driver at all. And I'm thinking that oh. there's going to be another one to add to that because it says rather than there being a dash, as in the case with Francesco Draconi and Sergio Campana for BHK, it does actually say TPA. So mm. it sounds like there's deals afoot to get a third driver into DKR, but they are going to be a strong team bringing all their experience from the from the Saturday races in uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yeah, this is, the, as you say, JP, this is the second year of the new... Um, LMP three still run till the end of twenty twenty four. They're an upgrade, aren't they? Or they were an upgrade with some um, a variety of, of defined performance, safety, and design cues. But the biggest thing, that, as you rightly said, was that the the engine power went up to four hundred and fifty five horsepower. That's that's thirty five horsepower, and what's now called the VK fifty six five and a half liter engine. Um, up from five liter on the VK50 Nissan engines. Um, although those engines could be adapted to deliver the same power and performance. Um, yes. The, and the idea was that, that people could keep their quote-unquote current engines um, and still compete to the end of their useful life. I, I'm not sure it quite balanced out the way it was meant to last year and I suppose once you get down to Barcelona you'll be able to ask the question about who's still running the the quote-unquote upgraded five litre and who's got the new ones and whether there's an advantage uh, either way. Uh, I also need to find out whether that was an option for 2020 and no more. Correct. I.e. you have to have the new kit for this new season or whether you can carry on that way but yes that was a grey area between the brand new cars and the up, uplifted cars, if you yes. like, the, the, the uprated versions of the older machinery. Um, so the rest of the field then, um, uh, with those two Dukins taking out, the two Luxembourg entered Dukins taking out, is a, a raft. I'm not sure what the collective noun for Ligiers is. Um, I'll, I'll think about something. Uh, let's start in numerical order. United Autosports, um, they have a fantastic history in this category. Wayne Boyd was quick in the test. He's paired up uh, as the silver driver with Robert Weldon, the bronze. And Edouard Kaup, I think is how I would say that. Kaup, maybe. Close enough. French French silver driver. Uh, Their teammates, uh, James Jim Maguire from the USA, Duncan Tappy, who I remember talking about going for the championship years ago in British Formula Renault. Um, and Andrew Bentley, uh, again, who's having a second second life, has worked really hard to get that drive in the last 18 months, two years, and, and came back with a bang last year. 
Yes, he did. Um, let's just deal with the first car that you've mentioned. So Wayne Boyd, Rob Weldon, uh, two thirds of the champion lineup from last Correct. year. The one that we don't have there is Tom Gamble because he's moved up to the LMP2s in within United Autosports. So um, congratulations to him. And it really does, um, you know, stamp home how, quite how good Tom was in that he's the one to move across. But Wayne um, is the qualification specialist. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets six poles this year in LMP3, mm. judging by his performance last year. Rob Weldon, so good from his club racing, from his radical racing, from lots of other stuff that he's done as well in the UK and Europe. And now he's you know, really competing at a, a, in an international stage and doing incredibly well, often put in for the start of the race. And yeah, I wonder how many other people Edward Coop was actually up against to seal that deal because mm. they will have been after a third driver and Coop came so close to winning the Le Mans Cup last year and was only outscored by a few points in the end. By And, and they, had a, they had a nightmare one round, I, I seem to think, which really scuppered their, their chances, uh, a title that eventually went to Laurence Hoare. But I'm not surprised that Edouard has been circled as we need to get him in because he's a bit good and he's joining uh, the, the number two crew. Um, the three is the same lineup as last, lineup as last year. Uh, on occasion last year, Duncan and Andrew had to race on their own because there were complications getting Jim across the Atlantic to the various race meetings. But let's hope that's, that can be all ironed out. Obviously, you know, the logistics are slightly easier in that just everyone knows how to do it these days. And Jim should be set for a full season with Duncan Tappy and Andrew Bentley. And stability can often be key. So it's nice for those guys. I, Duncan actually gave me a steer well before it was public to say, you know, my, de- my deal's in place very early and nice. I can't remember any other time in my career where that's happened. So I'm thoroughly chuffed. I, I should mention, by the way, I've just looked back through the testing times uh, and that DK Engineering, the Lawrence Hur car, um, was the fastest LMP3 car over the two yeah. days with a 139.541. That's seven tenths inside what we've seen before. Um and it was well ahead, three quarters of a second ahead of the Euro Tunnel, uh, Euro Tunnel, Euro International uh, Leisure year and didn't improve on day two. 140.8 was the best uh, LMP3 time, although that, again, was the same car. So just underlining what JP was saying about that, that Duquesne uh, engineering car. Um, you will notice we've been talking about an awful lot of French teams and drivers and the European Le Mans series does has a, have a particularly French uh, feel to it, although not... Um, exclusively, as you'll hear within this class, but MV2S racing, or uh, MV2S, perhaps, if it's in French, as it is a French team. Uh, The bronze driver is Christophe Cresp. Uh, He's a French driver. In fact, all three of them are. Fabien Laverne is silver, and Adrien Schiller is also a bronze. So two bronze and a silver in that league year. What do you know about MV2S racing? Uh, another team more often found in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So this displays, you know, the, the ability to race in the championship that can take you to the Le Mans 24 hours, yes. but to be ra- racing on Saturday morning. Remember, there are two races, in fact, during Le Mans week. But it bloods new teams into the way that these cars can be raced quickly and uh, and cleanly as well, because some of those Le Mans Cup races during Le Mans week can be so, so busy as well. And some of the time in the early stages, particularly, it's about staying out of trouble. But I think they've reached the point now, MV2S, where it is sensible to uh, move 
to the ELMS uh, properly and see how they go. You know, you're never going to know until you try. But I, I'm just checking. Yes, this will be their MV2S. This will be their first season mm. in the ELMS uh, Championship from previously the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Now, they've had Bruce Joani race with them in the past, who's uh, vastly experienced. Uh, Christophe Cresp has certainly uh, had a seat with them in, uh, previously as well. Fabien Leverne, uh, who has often been in LMP3s, I think possibly from the inception of that category. So, uh, and, and he's raced Ferraris at GT level too. So he's a very fast, sneaky silver. And Adrian Schiller, uh, another bronze. So two bronzes and a silver in that lineup. Excited to see how they get on. I think it's about race finishes in Italy, and then they can build for results next year. Uh, Nielsen Racing have the six and seven cars, both UK flagged Ligiers. Uh, four uh, in the six, Nick Adcock as a bronze, Austin McCusker from the US, who's been doing some uh, IMSA prototype uh, racing over there and has been very impressive. Uh, and the Dutch driver Max Cobalt uh, is the other silver. In the second car, it's Anthony Wells as the bronze and Colin Noble as the silver. Just two drivers for that. Nielsen Racing. Max Cobalt is... Uh, someone who's come uh, from GT3 racing and uh, previously a GT4 European champion. Um, if you go back as far as 2014, he was a Dutch Supercar Challenge champion mm. as well. So um, that's where he uh, and it actually did a, some 24H series racing that year too. And of course, Dutch Supercar and 24H are never too far away from one another. But I can only really see GTs in his CV. So that's going to be uh, possibly a tough first few races just to get your mind around uh, how these cars behave. But I don't think it'll take him too long. He's only 23, so not not too many kind of habits will be set in just yet. And he'll adjust nicely. As you say, Austin, coming from a good background, having raced probably these cars, certainly very similar. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're up to the 2020 spec cars now, aren't they, in the States? So yeah. um, that'll be no problem at all. And Nick Adcock, this is something like his third season now. So, again, a team that are backed nicely by Nielsen Racing, the British outfit. Uh, the the guy who, uh, team chiefs that, is a guy who's known to all his mates as Sven. Uh, he has no Scandinavian uh, connections at all, I don't think, but he just has this mass streak of blonde hair, a la Nicky Team. So just gets called Sven because of that. And he's a really nice guy. Uh, and you can sort of look at the way he's built a team similar to to TF Sport. You know, tiny steps initially, then you enter two cars, then you get lots of interest and you get the results. And um, they could be definitely race Good winners this year. Uh, Anthony Wells and Colin Noble, just the two drivers in the second car? Yeah, that seems to be the way they like it. Um, and I had heard murmurs that maybe um, Colin w- might be on the verge of an LMP2 deal, but... Uh, that's clearly not the case. It didn't quite come to, to pass. Might have something in, in the, uh, the back burner for Le Mans, perhaps. But uh, Tony Wells and Colin, um, surprisingly, and I only say because it was announced well after the end of the race, won the final round last year of uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup. So they'll be wanting to do that a few times in the ELMS, no doubt. Two graph racing cars, eight and nine. Um, Franco-Swiss. For uh, bronzes, Eric Trillier from France and Sébastien Page from Switzerland. David Drew is the Swiss silver. Take that one first from Graf. 
three regular names with Graf. I think it's kind of stick with what you know. They are a fast package. And um, it's about, again, after the foundation building, trying to now get consistently into the top five. And, and you can run there as well by virtue of the regulations, let us not forget. Each of these cars, assuming the engine can now do the distance, will have to make three stops in the four hours. Um, two of those stops will have to be to a minimum pit stop time. And it's longer than you need to make it fair for all because these teams in some cases are less experienced about doing yeah. a pit stop at speed so you know from a safety perspective they they give you two minutes for example uh, it's not like that at every track we go to but it's a set number and then your final stop can, can be as quick as you like but it depends where you do that in the race it doesn't have to be the final stop and you get this interesting complexion in, in lmp3 three as we go through the hours so there's always the chance to run regularly in the top three um and graph can do that no doubt uh the yes yeah the second car is the number nine of Matthias Kaiser from Liechtenstein and he's the silver the bronze is Rory Pentinen from uh, Finland and Pentinen Pentinen and Kaiser returning I I say Pentinen but I don't know whether that is right to be honest uh, it's it's more of a guess Uh, it sounds a very very kind of rally type name does doesn't it definitely um and he uh, has raced in the Asian Le Mans series already this year with United Autosports. He's also coming off the back of a season in the Le Mans Cup, but I think only one. So, again, a case of one season in Michelin Le Mans Cup, then into uh, ELMS, and let's see how they go. But they have the car experience, crucially. They'll, they'll know the drivers that they're racing with as well and you know who you can trust and who potentially you, you need to uh, be steering clear of, should we say. Um, and I think it's important to just have that little bit of nous and uh, knowledge before entering into the ELMS properly. Matthias Kaiser is in a, in a very similar boat as well. But uh, Graf are picking carefully here, yeah. and I think they've got two potential stars there. Euro International, been around for a long time. Their number 11 car under the Italian Tricolore will have Italian Andrea Dromedari paired up with Matthias Kaprich, the Polish driver, and a third driver TBA at the moment. Kaprich, I don't know a great deal about, actually. He's 19. Silver, though, so he must have done something. Well, he's done F4 Ah, in Italy, so he's Polish. But he's done, um, I assume, a full season for, for with Cram Motorsport uh, in uh, in Italy last year. And um, although a couple of retirements, all the other races were at least race finishes. Is that where he met Dromedari then? Because so. Dromedari's done Italian GTs, hasn't he? Yes. So you wouldn't necessarily connect uh, an Italian with a, a pole. A, a pole. Yeah. But because he's probably seen him racing in Italy, yeah. that's your connection. Yeah. Yes, And on I the think they're sometimes it, on the same schedule as well, if I'm honest. I might be putting two okay. and two together and making 126. That wouldn't be unusual in Heindorf's brain. But, but to be honest, your international do tend to stick to their own. So you yeah. think, oh, Polish driver in, a, in your yeah. international. That's interesting. But it's because uh, young Matthias has, has uh, done a season um, uh, yes, in, uh, in, Italy. In, in Italy. So, mm. so that makes perfect sense now. Okay. Nice one. I'm pleased you spotted that. <laughs> <laughs> um, into you, we've talked about racing experience. Into Europol, um, on the, the list for the season, have two cars, 13 and 14. Um, at the moment, I've only got drivers for one, the 13 of Martin Hippe, um, and the Belgian driver, the silver driver, Hugo de Vilde. Uh, you may be able to shed more light on that. It may be that they 
just don't have the uh, the drivers either confirmed yet or possibly not coming. They'll all of these are, are, these cars are out there for business as much as they are for the sport. So I'm, I'm not going to second guess them here. I don't know a great deal more, but with the car on the entry list and just drivers expected, you have to think that uh, deals are afoot, um, certainly off, you know, backstage, and they'll be trying to get uh, those seats filled. They could run with two, and I think actually the 13 car is pretty much set with Martin Hipper and Hugo de Vilda because Martin likes to just drive with one other person. Um, and he had a, a couple of different co-drivers last year. Martin actually finished well up in the championship and more so than his teammates because he did all of the races as opposed to, I say, slightly changing co-drivers. But he finished um, joint... No, he finished second on his own in the championship behind Tom Gamble, Rob Weldon and, and Wayne Boyd who won the title. So that gives you an idea of just how close he was come the, uh, the curtain fall. Um, we, yeah, we've seen three TBAs for the... Dempsey team in the Proton crew in GTs in the past. So the car, I think, will be there. Yeah, and no I've just got. I, just... I've just gone through, and of course, um, Cara Vlaming looks after that, and she has sent yeah, me yeah. An, an email. So perfect. It, it, it is going to be three drivers in the thirteen because Hugo and Martin Hitler will be joined by Julien Falcero, the French driver, and the. Second of the cars, the 14, will be a Lithuanian driver, Julius Adam Adamavitius, um, and two Italians, Alessandro Bracalente and Matteo Pessini. Now, Pessini is a motorcycle racer. He's, I think he's done Moto GP. He's certainly done Moto 2, and I reckon this will be his, his, his sports car debut. So, thank you, uh, Cara for sending that through. So, yes, those two cars will be there. Good news for Sasha Fassbender and the rest of the team. And Julius Adomarvisius is not a new name on me because he raced uh, in the 24H series earlier this year. Now, was that at... Uh, it was at Mugello, in mm. fact. I knew the, knew the name from fairly recently. The Mugello 12 hours and also was with BHK in the ELMS last year. So uh, he's only 20 and already back for a second ELMS season. And the other drivers uh, certainly ring bells uh, as being not necessarily recognised ELMS entries, but from other areas of motorsport that uh, you know are looking to to potentially carve out a career in prototype racing. So into Europol competition, they always have strong lineups, and even yeah. though that's an incredibly late deal, the 14 might be a bit of a dark horse. I'm interested to see how Pasini does because motorcycle um, riders normally do well once they get mm. their heads round how much later they can turn in because they've got more than four times the contact patch uh, on on a car. Um, they're they're normally very, very quick indeed. Um, RLL, RLR M Sport have the number 15 car. Um, this is under the union flag for um, Michael Bainham, Alex Capardia, friend of RSL, and Malthe Jacobson. So two silvers and a bronze there, a JP for RLR, Bolton's finest. Yes, again, a slight misspelling on the entry list I'm looking at for for Mikey Benham. Yeah, um, Mikhail. Paul, but it's Mikhail. Mikhail. It looks like. Oh, that's you're gonna have to. He's gonna have to be called that, Mikhail, all year now. Mikhail Benham. Yeah. I, well, I do know him reasonably well, so he'd probably be game for a laugh. And we'll, yeah, we'll see how far. Benham we get Adovich. Uh, is now we're going to call <laughs> Mikhail Benham Adovich. Yeah. 
Malta Jakobsen uh, is very fast indeed. Mm. And I seem to remember that um, in uh, the season review for ELMS or Michelin Amon Cup, one of the two, last year, uh, Jakobsen was one that stood out for me and was possibly yeah. one of the names of the season. He's only 17, uh, but this will be his second season with RLR. Um, and he raced in both the Le Mans Cup and the European Le Mans Series last year. He's a, a Danish F4 champion. And, yeah, the man from Viborg will make his presence felt, I feel, um, certainly during the qualifying session and quite possibly during races as well. But Alex Capadia, you know, will will guide that enthusiasm if indeed it needs any any uh, steering at all. But Alex is so fast. It um, doesn't matter where the where a car may have been qualified. He seems to be able to get it up there within the space of a few laps. Um, and Benham, who, yeah, w- had to step away actually from the championship for a little while because he had a monster accident not of his own making I think that was at Barcelona from mm. a couple of years ago um, and damaged the car a lot. And uh, I think was a, had uh, suffered a, a sort of minor injury from this crash as well. So I get the feeling he may have been away just taking a break and thinking, do I, do I actually want to continue with this motorsport? And clearly it's a full on yes with a double thumbs up. So he's returned with RLR, which is uh, so good to see. And, and He'll enjoy himself. He almost always has a, a, a smile yeah. on his face. Uh, and regularly just, racing in the past with Duncan Tappy as well. Yes. So those two will be talking with each other, even though they're not in the same car. Yeah, um, a bit of uh, bit of needle, perhaps. Ooh, that'd be I think there might be. Uh, yeah. Three to go. Uh, an Italian, a Swiss and a Polish team. Let's start with the Italian, which has a Greco-Italian driver lineup. One aim, and you'll know it better, as Veloba Corsa. Uh, their number 18 car has uh, Andreas Lascanatos as the bronze driver with the uh, Italian duo, uh, silver duo, of Damiano Fioravanti. You might get that wrong. And Alessandro Brezan. Tell me about one aim. Brezan, having come from Lamborghini, uh, Lamborghini Super, Super Trofeo, Trofeo racing mm. in North America, yep. I noticed as yep. well. So yep. mid to mid uh, 2010s for that. And we did see Brezan for one race in 2019 at Barcelona. So he'll have track knowledge. Um, and that was also in an LMP3. So he's raced these cars before as well. The Orba Corsa um, are another incredibly family centric team and real enthusiasts and they tend to chop and change their kind of sponsor addition to that uh, that name but italian through and through uh, demiana fioravanti has raced with the oregon team in the past um, another italian outfit uh, but i think possibly this is the first time he's been with viola corsa and andreas lascaratos who is from greece uh, again experienced in prototypes with the the um, kind of one-off Janetta that they made, mm. they didn't really fit into any category, but he raced that a few times with the 24-8 series. And uh, yes, yeah. yeah. The one that was sort of between P2 and P3, based on a P2 yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's right, but slightly uprated. Yeah. And um, I remember him running in a 10-hour race at Spa, I think, with sadly only about four cars in it. But um, you tend to no- take note of who is in those races after a little while. And Andreas Lascaratos, he's done some racing at Dubai too. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the more races he gets under his belt, the quicker he's getting. Uh, cool Racing is the Swiss of the entries we have left left to talk about in LMP3 here with Johnny Palmer, the voice of the 
uh, European Le Mans Series and WEC for us on here on RSL as well. Kill Racing the 19 for uh, an interest. Now this is an interesting lineup actually. I think um, the British Matthew Bell, and I say that because our American listeners will know that there's a, a, a US uh, Matt Bell as well. So this the the younger of the Bell Racing brothers. He's the silver along with Nicholas Kreuten, the German silver driver, and Nicholas Malini is a Swiss bronze driver. And Molini, a regular fixture in Le Mans Cup over the last three seasons. And this will be his third season, actually, in the European Le Mans series as well, uh, having raced with DKR, with DB Autosport, with Cool and with Euro International. So uh, he's getting through the teams, but back with one he knows. Uh, last race with Cool, actually last year. So this is just an extension, you would think, to uh, the contract there. Um, Matt Bell raced with cool last year i believe mm. i think that's right anyway he was certainly racing lmp3s uh, last year uh, nicholas Cruyton, i don't know much about but i am going to guess i'll look him up now actually but i'm going to guess he, he's another one to emerge from the quick uh, single seater cars and using all of that aerodynamic uh, knowledge in a two seater only 18 from yeah. trier in germany and um actually raced in LMP3 at uh, the Sebring 12 earlier this year. So, um, he was and it's a silver, he's a silver driver, so he's got some yes, results behind him because to be a silver at 18 uh, means he's, he's had some success in, in some of the junior formula that he's been involved in. Yeah, um, so Euro Formula Open, F4, Italy... Um, some good karting at a decent level as well and some wins along the way so I think with that comes silver status another another uh, for Italy graduate interesting Matt Bell will uh, I think be the driving force there um, pun absolutely intended um, Matt the taller of the two Bell brothers he will also say the better looking and faster driving of the two Bell brothers um, and whilst one of those can be um, disputed the tallness absolutely can't um he he's building himself a decent career johnny um in prototype racing and as with many sort of semi-pro drivers which i suppose is what you'd say matt is um although still rated as a silver it's as much about what he does to help his teammates as it is what he does when he's behind the wheel of the car and he's proved himself very well in both of, of those endeavours? Well, you take the example of last year's um, Michelin Le Mans Cup uh, entry, and yes, he, he was phenomenally fast when he took the car over, but the big role of the weekend was to coach a guy called Maurice Smith, mm-hmm. who was, you know, given the ro- given the uh, the responsibility of starting the car, keeping his nose out of trouble, and bringing the car in in a reasonable position after 60, 65 minutes. And all the hard work's actually done behind the scenes. When you're looking at the telemetry, you're looking at where your apex is in certain corners, and you're drilling down into the data, and that's what Matt is so good at. But you need to be a good communicator. You need to be a good analyst. And then almost third in that list is to be a super quick driver. But that's the, that's the kind of role of a modern-day motor, motorsport man now, is that you, you need to be able to coach as well as you can drive. Uh, and finalement in this one as well, LMP3. This is an interesting one. Team Virage are a Polish flag team. They have three North American drivers in uh, two 
that will be very well-known names to listeners to IMSA Radio. The bronze of Rob Hodes and the silver of Garrett Grist, the Canadian driver. Charles Cruz, Charlie Cruz, from, at C-R-E-W-S, from the USA, is the second bronze, Johnny. Yeah, and Team Virage I do know from previous years, but I don't think they did anything last year, actually. So you're looking back to 2019. And probably only as high as Michelin Le Mans Cup. I, I don't have a memory of Team Virage taking part, at least consistently, in the ELMS as a full season entry. So uh, step up for the Polish team, more than capable of it. And Rob Hodes, uh, Garrett Grist and Charlie Cruz are very, very North American, as you say. Although Garrett Grist, uh, for the last few years, have been racing with British teams, I, I want to say, Um and I don't know, even though they're Polish flagged, actually what the personnel at Virage uh, will turn out to be. Because, um, for example, in, in one of the other Polish teams in the entry into Europol competition, their base is actually in Germany. And a lot of the me- their mechanics come from there. So, um, yeah, I'll be pay- paying a call, certainly at Team Virage, to find out a little bit more about them. But Hodes, I know very well from Le Mans Cup. Charlie becoming more and more... Uh, recognised at this level of motorsport. And Garrett Grist is, is very, very quick, actually, uh, for a silver and uh, scope to be a, a gold in future years. Yeah. Um, so that's the 16 LMP3s. We'll finish off with GTE, Le Mans GTE, the single GT categories. We look at the ELMS for 2021. Uh, I'm John Hindoff and Johnny Palmer is with me. Uh, and GTE is pretty much Ferrari Challenge, all bar three cars. So let's take the three non-prancing horse entries. And first of all, the singleton, Aston Martin, number 95, Tom Ferriers, TF Sport crew uh, with two very well-known names Oliver Hancock Ollie Hancock is the silver Ross Gunn is I think still an Aston Martin works driver although of course Aston Martin don't have a works GT team now and John Hartshorn is the bronze that John um, not uniquely uh, are not always driving Porsches, but normally I've seen his name next to a Porsche rather than an Aston Martin. But an interesting entry for TF Sport, and and that is a trio that I think we're going to have to keep an eye on. I would agree entirely. And those with uh, slightly longer memories will know that actually John Hartson, if you go back to the, I was talking about this being the 10th year of the, as known, European Le Mans series, he was an LMPC champion in that first year. It was an unusual year, I admit, with a race at Donington and one at Ricard and then one at Petit Le Mans, I think. But he still got the title with Boots and Junior Racing. So mm. fair play to him for that. And he's always been there or thereabouts with ACO Rules Racing. Lots of Le Mans Cup uh, entries in the last three years. Um, and his last time in the European Le Mans series was 2016. So five years away for the Weymouth man the south of england but yeah john as you say associated with porsches but i think more recently as in the last five or six years with ferraris whether it be with kessel or dragon racing knows the car inside out and um for a bronze he's quick uh and not afraid to get the elbows out at all no <laughs> so it could be quite entertaining um whether he's raced astons before i don't know so porsche on the bill uh, porsche on the cv ferrari yes might just take a little bit of adjustment to, to the engine being in the front for John. 
But Ross, still a factory driver because they're, so, they're still customer cars, aren't they? Even though yeah, they're yeah. not. Um, oh yeah. They're, they're, we're not going to see the '97 and the '95 for the foreseeable future, but uh, there's still scope, you know, for a, a factory driver to be supplied for teams like TF Sport and Ollie Hancock. Uh, you know, can race any GT car um, successfully and will do. I wonder if John Hartshorn maybe raced a classic Aston in the Aston Martin yeah. owners club or something like that. Cause I'm almost certain I've, I've said his name. He could have been racing in the Intermark there as well in a Porsche in fairness or in a Ferrari. Anyway, a good to see John back an enthusiast, a par excellence Two Porsches. It will surprise no one who knows uh, this form of competition that the 77 and the 93 come from Proton competition. Uh, Christian Reed, of course, is in the 77 along with, now, how about this for a lineup, by the way, Jimmy Bruni and Jackson Evans. Now, Jimmy, obviously, WEC Porsche driver after many years over at the Marinello brand. Jackson Evans, another one of the superstars that seems to be on the conveyor belt of talent coming out of the Antipodes. Uh, Jackson, a Kiwi, silver-rated driver, very highly rated um, by Porsche themselves, and might actually even be a Porsche junior-supported driver uh, there. I, I might have made that up I'm, or, or dreamt it, but that looks a pretty good lineup to me, Johnny. Yeah, stellar. <laughs> because Christian Reed, even though he's a bronze, you know, I it's think even to this point, bronze. he's done every WEC only race driver. Going. Only driver yeah. who's done every WEC race in the modern era, correct? So, that, so that's not a bad mileage amount. Um, and ELMS, he won't be far away. I'd love to. I, I will need to look up prior to the weekend what what was his first year in the European Le Mans series. But I think he's been an ever present after his first race. Jackson Evans comes to this championship off the back of a Porsche Carrera Cup France championship uh, with BWT Lechner Racing. Mm. Uh, and as you say, if he's not a Porsche factory driver or junior driver, rather already, then he soon will be. Um, and Jimmy Bruni, I mean, what do you say about that? You know, former Ferrari superstar and now firmly lodged in the Porsche factory ranks. Um, it's hard to look away from the 77 as being the big favourite. It's got to be. Apart from it? the rest of the entry list, really. But uh, no, that, that one does definitely stand out. Uh, Porsche. Carrera Cup Australia champion Jackson Evans in 2018 and was a junior driver. May not yet be. There was a big shake-up, wasn't there, of the yes. Porsche junior drivers. At 93 then, um, Michael Fassbender uh, continues the strong tradition of people from the movie industry wanting to drive cars, uh, following in the illustrious footsteps of, well, most recently, I suppose you would say, Patrick Dempsey, who led a race in class at Le Mans, let's not forget, um, and has finished on the podium. He's uh, a little way to go yet in his career and has found it rather more difficult, I think. Uh, Philippe Laza, the German uh, silver driver, and Richard Leitz, the Austrian platinum driver. If Michael Fassbender can get his head around things, along with Philippe and uh, Richard, that is, again, a strong a strong car. I, I just feel that Michael's lack of uh, lack of racing experience, lack of track time, just means that he gets often caught up in things that aren't his fault. But 
he probably shouldn't have got caught up in. Uh, yes, and you know he's getting you quicker. Can give him some. You can give him some slack, I think, for the first few races. I mean, there was yeah. a, a horror incident at Ricard, Ricard yeah. which was only a nose into the barrier, but did quite a bit of damage to because I think it went in backwards as well as in yeah. from the front as well. But he was he was jostled with side by side down to the first corner with an LMP3 car, which was that car was in completely in the wrong and just not. Yeah. In a prototype, you've got to be aware of of, of lapping a GT car and its capabilities. So therefore, you. You know, you need to give him a bit of room and then some because GT cars quite clearly can't turn in at the rate of knots that of a prototype car. So you, you always have to be aware of these things. And um, I have a feeling actually it was it was a LMP3 car that overtook him and then just braked and expected the GT car to have the same braking capacity. And the two of them hit, but it wasn't Michael's fault, and it resulted in a, a big problem then for the 93. The one error that he did make, and it was solely his error, and I think there was only one last year, was. Um, it was possibly sent out for qualifying at a wet recard and he lost the car going yeah. out to the Mistral Strait on a wet kerb. It had only just started raining and for, unfortunately the car rotated and speared off into the tyre wall quite heavily on driver's left. Other than that, though, I think that was one mistake which he owned up to and the rest, mm. there's been two other crashes that weren't of his making, but as you said, he was involved in them. So, and he doesn't have good memories of Cat- Circuit Catalonia because he, he was a, a guest in the Super Cup and had a huge start line shunt. Um, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he'd barely crossed the line um, and and got underway. Uh, again, one of those things that can happen at the start of the race. But, you know, he's got to get his head past that and, and knuckle down and do his job. And it's not about how fast he is. It's about being able to get no. the car to his teammate, isn't it? Well, I think the pace will come. That just takes care of itself. But you need to be, the car needs to be in the races for long enough for you to glean the experience and the times from it. And it's just about heads up driving, I suppose. And mm. if you can read the incidents before they've even happened, well, you know, as I say, nine times out of 10, they weren't even his fault, but it is about trying to avoid the trouble if at all possible. So I think, you know, to a certain extent, that bad luck will just go away because it's very rarely sticks with somebody for that long. He's got the luck of the Irish at the end of the day with the emerald green car, and I'm assuming they're sticking with that livery. So um, I think it's going to be onwards and upwards in 2021. Um, and he, he even led a race last year, so so more of the same would be brilliant. Uh, let's go to the hordes of Ferraris then, um, or... Um... Prancing horses, I suppose. Horde is probably not quite right, is it? Uh, Spirit of Race 55, Duncan Cameron with Matt Griffin. We've seen those, that Brondon and Gold uh, combination work very well for the Brit and the Irish driver. South African David Perel is uh, with them, the silver driver. He's he's won Spa 24 in two different categories with different teams. Uh, Blancpain Series champion in 2017 with Kessel, if if my remembrance is correct. And he's another one who's come out of Italian GT um, as as well. So clearly plenty of experience there. And, you know, it's it's a solid team. They'll they'll get results. They'll certainly be challenging for podiums, I would have thought. Very definitely. And... and the thing with the spirit of race is that they've had such a, a kind of recognized driving lineup for, for a long period of time. Um, and there's no Aaron Scott now in that car. Good so point. David Perel coming in instead, but um, 
it's got to be five seasons that mm-hmm. it was Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin and Aaron Scott all together. Yeah. So naturally, that's just going to take a bit of adjusting too. But Perel, I mean, proved on several occasions last year that he is ready to fight. If there's a if there's a podium up for grabs, if there's a top five up for grabs, then, you know, you try overtaking him on that last lap. And it is very difficult indeed. Sometimes it got a bit too close to be honest, for comfort at the final uh, event last year in uh, Portimao uh, with cars off the track and close to the pit wall, which is just not nice to see. But yeah, yeah, as long as it's clean and it's fair and it's really close racing, there'll be plenty of that from David Perel. And I think he'll slot in very nicely into spirit of race. It's going to be exciting to see how they get on. They come so close to winning this title on multiple occasions. One year has got to be theirs. Well, it wasn't David Perel tied for first on points one year in the, the ELMS and, and lost on Camp Park? Well, was, I was trying to think whether that was that, that year when they were um, racing so frantically at Portimao um, with Kessel in the 74 yes. you're talking about, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly that, exactly right. When Michel Bronizhevsky and Nicky Kadai shared the car, and that's why that's why it was full on elbows out. Now, not with the car that they tied points on. It was with another Ferrari, I seem to remember, mm. um, possibly with one of the Pacinis. Uh, but yeah, that bonkers year last year when Proton Competition and Kessel both finished on 99 points. Uh, and it had to be done several races um, into the countback system to eventually uh, mean that uh, Proton took the title. In the end, I think they did three rounds of rock, paper, scissors uh, at the back. They got close to that. I yeah, they did. Um, Iron Lynx have got three cars. Let's take them in numerical order because there's, there's a bit of talking points for, for one of these cars uh, at the least. Iron Lynx number 60 then. Uh, Claudio Schiavone. In fact, it's all Italian. So the bronze is Claudio Schiavone. Giorgio Sernagiotto. Why do I always stumble, stumble over his name? Giorgio Sanagiotto, there you go, is the silver. And the gold is Paolo Roberti. Uh, that, again, is a set of names that most of our listeners will have heard before. And you have to say that that is another good-looking, well-balanced driver lineup. Claudio Schiavone, unfortunately, got headlines last year for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. reasons. At Spa, was uh, it? At Spa, yeah. uh, on both the Saturday and the Sunday. Because, so I do uh, listen to what you're talking about, Johnny. Well, I think even you were there, actually. For oh, that. no, that's right. I was there at Spa. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's why um, I remember that one. Yes. We're talking about an incident that happened on the on the release lap. It wasn't even the yeah. warming up lap, but they got released from the pits and he was weaving frantically. One car tried to get by. The two of them biffed together and he was in the wall and that was end of day. The Sunday in the ELMS race, he got uh, rudely punted out of the way, I seem to remember, by by a United Autosports prototype, yep. uh, Will Owen, I think, uh, came to grief just before Piff Paff, and he ended up in the wall on the Sunday as well, not through his own fault. But um, again, bad luck, you hope, out of the way, and he can fully focus on what's to come this year. Giorgio Sinagiotto uh, has regularly raced with Villorba Corsa yep. in the past and prototypes, but he's uh, back to GT racing and no stranger to it, so he should be fine. Paolo Roberti, very, very rapid Italian, gold graded, and the 60 car looks a strong one, definitely. The second of the Iron Link entries is the number 80. Uh, this is Italian and Spanish crude with Miguel Molina, the platinum driver, Rino Mastronardi, the bronze, and Matteo Cressoni, the silver. Um, see, above answer, I think. Um, mm. That again. 
I mean, remember, every, there's, there's got to be a bronze in all of these cars, and there's some strong bronzes here. And if, if we accept, JP, that the silvers are the golds, or the golds and the platinums, however it, it works out, um, are going to be much of a must, muchness. The, the, the best of the bronzes are going to decide this class. And... I tell you, Reno Mastronardi is one of the best of the bronzes, having taken a championship last year pretty comfortably in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. He finished with Giacomo Puccini on 132 points. That was 40 ahead of the next car. And they had four wins and and, uh, the rest of them were podiums in um, the two, four, six, uh, seven races they had last year. So Reno could definitely be a mover and shaker as far as the bronzes are concerned. You have to have a bronze, remember, in your trio. Uh, Matteo Cressoni, a very solid silver indeed and can do the business. And Miguel Molina, um, now a regular for AF Corsa at world championship level. So no question marks there at all. He'll be plugged in to bring the car to the finish. Uh, the third of the Iron Links car was expected to have Rahel Fry, uh, Michel Gatting, the silver drivers from respectively uh, Switzerland and Denmark and Esme Hawkey as a bronze driver however a um, bit of a snafu in the paperwork department by Esme's management and she won Porsche Carrera Cup GB last year which makes her a, a gold and she's over 30 as well um, and, and started racing uh, a wee whiles, while ago Um so she has to be a gold. So she can't race in there. And there was a very terse press release put out by the Iron Links, Iron Dams teams. Now, in practising this for this event, it's uh, the first event at Barcelona. It looks like Manuel Grosner, who is part of the Iron Links team, has been in the car. And she is part of the WEC team with... Um, Catherine Legg, of course, as well, joins in uh, for that. So it's still an all-female crew. Uh, unfortunate for Esme, um, bad mistake by somebody. I'm not pointing fingers at all. Not a great way to start, but that is, again, a team that you have to say um, is has to be taken seriously. Michelle Gatting uh, winning a round of the Ferrari Challenge recently with a phenomenal last three or four laps. Me not travelling at the moment means that I'm watching a heck of a lot more motor racing from all over the place. Um, And she was absolutely on it, driving with real real confidence um, in the Ferrari Challenge car. And I I think we've got to look at that 83 car again, uh, JP, in a class that is full of potential as saying, well, there's another one. Definitely, and a potential to regularly be on the podium because they've done it before. You know, I'm not, I'm not even uh, speaking those terms purely from hope. You know, there is fact to back this up. With we, we had five ELMS races last year, three times that driver lineup that you, the, the amended driver lineup that you've just read out in that car finished third on three occasions from five races. You only need to go one better and all of a sudden you know they're really troubling the points because it's about you don't have to win every race you just need to not get a dnf at any point especially especially last year when we only had five races it's back to six for 2021 
but you can't really afford maybe just one off round where you don't get to the finish and the rest you need to be just regularly scoring decent points and they're certainly capable of that because they have this ability to stay out of trouble and then turn up the wick towards the end and it's a, it is a real shame for Resmi Hawkey. I know her reasonably well from the you know her Porsche Carrera Cup GB uh, now success, and it's ironic that it's a success that's actually taken this opportunity away from her because, as you say, it's bumped her up to silver, and um, there's no window for a silver driver in Iron Links currently. Um, so back we go to a very familiar lineup, but it is proven to be very successful. Uh, and the Gosner family, uh, Manuel uh, Manuel Gosner. Um, um, the family absolutely inextricably linked with Ferrari Challenge. Um, a brother, I think, raced in that as well, and she she still holds a bronze. So that's you know exactly as as Johnny's said there. No stranger to European Le Mans has uh, raced nine times with Kessel uh, in in the past. Uh, uh, disappointment for sure for Esme, but that team is not at all made worse by Manuela being in in that car. Um, that's the three iron links car. Let's talk about the sixty-six. That is that number is back in the hands of Jim McWhorter, JMW Motorsport, Jody Fanning, uh, Andrea Fontana, the Italian, and Rodrigo Sales, the bronze driver from the US. Good to see Jody's name back in there again, and another fabulous supporter of European Championship racing. JMW uh, winner of the championship. It seems to me yesterday, but it's obviously quite a long time ago with their bright yellow uh, Ferrari. Jimmy Bruni uh, coming through their hands, I think, back in the day as well. What do you reckon of JMW with Jordi, Andrea and Rodrigo this year? Yeah, it's been quite a bit of a state of flux, JMW Motorsport, for the last couple of years, really. But Jody did get a race in, uh, the first race of the season. And I remember having a word with him. Um, and the departure lounge actually after that meeting going, Oh, Jody, what do you reckon then? Is this a full season entry? And he says, Well, we don't really know what's happening for the next round, let alone for the rest of the season. And unfortunately for Jody and for Hunter Abbott, we only got round one for those guys. And then uh, in came Rodrigo Sales, ably assisted by Gunnar Jeanette, who, of course, American fans will know very well. Now, there's no Gunnar this time. Effectively, mm. the gold seat is taken by Jody. Um, and that, again, might be surrounded by logistical problems. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing there. But Rodrigo Sales uh, is part of the lineup as the bronze. And you've got Andrea Fontana, as you say, the Italian, who I've seen race for a number of other teams as well, and ably so. Um, but I am pleased for Jody. Uh, he's been part of the Radio Show Limited Network's coverage of the Eurovision Song Contest in the past, I yes, think. So, yes, um, very good. Big, fan, big fans of us. Um, and I, having been an ELMS champion in the past... Um, he can do the business, no question about it, and with that team as well. So he'd be going back, you know, to meet some old friends that he probably hasn't seen and for the best quick. part of twelve months. And, and he's, he's very, quick. very quick. Yeah. He's quick, yeah. and he'll he'll anchor that team, no no doubt at all. Um, it it is it, it is almost not a proper endurance race if we don't actually have an AF Corsa entry in it, and that's where we uh, finish up our look at LMGTE. It is the eighty-eight car, Francois Perodo, one of the nicest men that you'll find. Uh, nicest people that you'll find in a paddock full of nice people, to be honest. He's the bronze. The silver as is uh, Alessio Rivera, uh, the Italian. And uh, Manu Collard, uh, now a gold 
raced, uh, rated driver, the Frenchman. Again, a driver with a huge amount of experience who seemingly, over the last probably four or five years now, is, is just staying at such a high level, JP, and working with Francois as he has down through the year. I remember when Francois got the, the Best Gentleman Driver Award in the WEC. He's, he's, do, you know, he's, he's got best performances before. It's been a, a really good partnership. How will Alessio Rivera fit into that? I suppose we'll find out at the first weekend. But he's going to be no slouch, um, and I almost think he might be um, one of the uh, Alessio Picariello types, oh. not just because he shares the same first name, um, but I didn't know much about Picariello going into last year's European Le Mans series, and then he went to ba- went on and bagged the title, having done some amazing stuff at uh, in GTs at GT3 level. Alessio Rivera, 25, uh, he's a, a former Fiat Arbath, champion but also more recently four years ago uh, was the Porsche Carrera Cup Italy champion as well for Tsunami RT uh, team and then since then just been racing GT3 Porsches here there and everywhere Dubai plenty more in in Italy and then uh, touring Europe as well but um, did a race in the European Le Mans series last year I think it was just the one yes it was the final race of the season so that was probably a precursor to a, a full deal for season 2020 and of course the other chaps no less are wec champions mm. from uh, gt3 sorry rather gte am champions when mono collard francois perodo won that title with nicholas nielsen mm-hmm. uh, in at the final race which was the second of the two bahrains in that 2019 2020 season in the wec so um they can't have the same car number because that's already been taken by the uh, the women at iron links so it'll be car 88 for perodo and collard they'll fit in very nicely indeed at af course and i think rivera um could be a real superstar potentially um so, with the invitation uh, innovative uh, category, 42 cars, there's very few of them, Johnny, in those classes that we seem to have written off. Uh, is that an accurate representation, then, of what we're going to see this year? And here, we've got Sound and Vision on radio-show.co.uk. It, it, it seems like, in, on any given weekend... Uh, Picking a winner is going to be difficult. Picking probably the top five in any of the classes or indeed subclasses might be very difficult indeed. I don't think what we actually had in 2020 was a fairly predictable year. After the first few races, you realise that there was possibly only a couple of teams in it that could capably sit at the top and with consistency. Uh, With the breakup of the United Autosport lineup at, at P2 level, I think there's a little bit of a question mark as to whether the, the 22 can go as fast as it did last year. I'm not saying it can't, but so there's some work to be done, certainly. And then in LMP3, I, you know, I always thought that was very tricky to predict. And then United Autosport just stamped their authority on the Saturday morning with qualifying, really. Put the car, the number two car, in the best possible place, courtesy of Wayne Boyd. And then they had got their strategy yeah. just sorted. So I think... They'll build on that. So I would say maybe LMP3 has the potential to go United Autosports way and fairly early on. But I do think LMP2 is going to be a lot, lot more open. And then in GT, you know, you've just about still got the three manufacturers. Admittedly, it's heavily weighted towards a prancing horse. And it's a question as to 
how the, the balance of performance is set up there, really. Uh, if everyone's complaining, we're in a good spot. I, I've uh, got to say, I'm not, ca- say. I'm not counting out the single Aston Martin. Tom Furrier not, not ha- had a fabulous year last year, culminating in a great run um, at Le Mans. Let's not forget, he's worked ever yeah, yeah. so hard to get to where he is now. That you know, It's the old joke, isn't it? It's, it's taken him probably more than five years to become the overnight sensation that it seemed for, for last year. I'm not counting that car out. I don't think you can count either of the Porsches out as well. Um, if I'm brutally honest, be interesting to see how Michael Fassbender uh, does early on and, and how his mm. confidence is. I think that's the key there. But a cracking season in... Uh, in prospect, with the possibility, particularly I think at Monza, of a few WEC teams jumping in. I, I noticed that um, Team Netherlands already said that they're going to do that to get a bit of extra high speed running in, uh, although WEC is due um, uh, at Monza before they go to Le Mans if the calendar stays, if the WEC calendar stays somewhere um, as it's, it's meant to be. We, we could see you know, possibly even close to 50 cars uh, this season. And I'm looking forward to it. And it all kicks off at Barcelona. uh, And Johnny will be talking us through it, live in sound and vision across the uh, Radio Show Limited uh, network of channels. RS1 is the audio, and we'll have streaming video uh, at Radio Show, uh, radio-show.co.uk. You're looking forward to it, Johnny. I can tell you're really looking forward to it, aren't you? Brilliant to be back to the full quota of six races. It's a shame we're not going to be visiting the UK, but that just couldn't be prized into the calendar, sadly. But, I mean, six wonderful uh, circuits that are, are back on the bill for the new campaign, just to run through them. Barcelona to kick off, Red Bull Ring in Austria, Le Castellet in the south of France, Monza in Italy, you've mentioned, Spa, Belgium and Portimao in the south of Portugal to end the season. And I think there's, there's just a little bit of everything there in those circuits selected. They lend themselves brilliantly well to this type of multi-class racing. Mm-hmm. And interest is high. I think people are going to be champing at the bit, having had a, a tricky last well, 18 months, really. Um, let's let's get a full season in. Uh, I think it's going to be cracking from start to finish. You've got a rotten job this year going to all of those places. <laughs> Gosh, sheer envy. Johnny Palmer, thank you for joining us. Uh, as I say, we've got all of that coverage to come. Check radio-show.co.uk for the scheduled times, the auto-convert uh, to whatever time zone your browser is on. Sound, vision, Action, excitement, bit of controversy? Almost certainly. The European Le Mans series across Radio Show Limited in sound and vision for 2021. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolemon.com.